0: Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. Pastor Mark and I are going to do Exodus 4, 1 through 17 this week. If you've got more information that you'd like to hear from us, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app is the place to get it. That we're recording this, we've recorded a few Exodus podcasts that that song has been attached to, but we've not heard it yet until this episode.
1: So it's an exciting moment for us. For us,
0: it's very exciting. For some of you, old news for you. It's the fourth episode we've heard that song. You guys are (laughs) being dumb, but thank you, uh, James and Bo, for putting your creative juices together and making something amazing. It's really really cool. I like it. I do too. All right. So this week, you know, we've got a number of rabbit trails we want to go down. Oh, as always. As always. Uh, they flow out of one concept that I didn't have a chance to build this in the sermon. Go figure. Yeah, It's like you got busy with other things. So here's the, the problem. When Moses objects for the third time and says to God, please send someone else, I had done a ton of scholarly research on that phrase, and there are a bunch of people out there, uh, Jew, Christian, otherwise, who believe that this is a moment that's so significant uh, because what happens is up until this point, God is speaking directly to Moses, right? So Moses is serving as a priest, prophet, yep. individual. Yep. But Moses is also being charged to go be the leader of the people. Yeah. A and king. So, so in that sense, there's an office of king and there's an office of prophet, priest, kind of. And Moses, he, he has all of those offices contained within himself, which is similar to Adam, Somebody we see in the very beginning of the story who's a who's a priest and the king of all humanity, so to speak. You move forward a little bit. You got Noah doing similar things, and other people in the Bible kind of have this feel, right? Abraham is is a prophet and a king. It, yeah, it all just kind of goes together. When you hit Moses here, some of us might have missed it, but but when God then says, "I'm going to send Aaron to be the voice," and what he actually says in verse 16 is, "He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him." and I don't have time to totally unpack that. There's all kinds of nerdiness that is just like bouncing around in my heart and my brain right now. Mark's contain- Oh, is that new? Yeah, <laughs> It just wow. happened? That was really well done. Uh, so I'm gonna contain that in myself and say, we're not gonna talk about all of that stuff, but here's what we are gonna say. At that moment, most people argue that the high priestly role that was intended for Moses is now given to Aaron, and the king aspect Moses contains, and at this point, from now on, there is no point in the Old Testament where those two offices are are united again. Yeah, In fact, you have individuals like Uzziah who try to take the role of the priest and, and are leprous because of it, or other individuals like Saul who offer a sacrifice yep. and he's not supposed to. He's supposed to wait for Samuel. So these are little stories that you know from the rest of the Bible and having just read it all in the whole year like we did last year, you're probably like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. All of those little moments in the Old Testament— where all of these individuals, the king and the and the high priest are different offices, and they are brought back together by Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Who else, right? That's a great Sunday school evangelical answer right there. Yep. Definitely Jesus. And so that's part of what's really significant about Jesus is is he is the great high priest, he's also the king. And those two offices get pulled back together under the, the tutelage of one, the great high priest, the the Messiah of all, the one who does the job. Yep. So with that said, we want to have a little chat. Uh, that's kind of the setup. We're, we're going to have a chat about faith. Well, it
1: speaks to the order of Melchizedek as well. Totally.
0: Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all, yeah. When when the Psalm, it was at 110, I think, right, that says that you will belong to the order of Melchizedek. That's part of what makes Jesus definitely Messiah and God, by the way, because yeah. all of that getting tied together. Yeah. It's, so just so you know, listener, if you're thinking, oh, I have never even noticed those things, there are thousands of these little things that the Bible is tying all these little details together, and we just miss them. But we think it's really huge that Moses' lack of faith in this moment has significant consequences for a long time going. So we're going to have a conversation about faith and consequences and all of that. So, Mark, take it away.
1: You know, the lack of faith in is driven by doubt. And, you know, it's reasonable to not have faith in things that – or in people who are not trustworthy. And we've, that's just wise. We've learned that over the years. And, and so there's things that it's reasonable not to have faith in. And, you know, know, we pick on government a lot, but I mean, there are things that we can trust government to do that are some basic services they provide and, and, and some basic security. But, when we, whenever we go too far, and I see, unfortunately, I see Christians doing this. They go to this idea that the right leader or set of leaders is going to fix our right. nation or fix the world. And this drives me crazy from a pastoral perspective and biblical perspective, because Christians should not be putting all their hope in these people because right. it's reasonable to, to not have faith in them and reasonable to put our faith right. in God. And you know, there's other things too The list can go on and things that it's just wise not to put all your, your faith in. But I think we need to go back to the origin of this and say, okay, where does lack of faith begin? And unfortunately, it's not far from behind the creation story is that we've got this lack of faith starting in the garden. In Genesis 3, 1, you know, the, the craftiest of them all, right. the, the serpent says, uh, did God really say? And that deception starts right there and in even in how the words are twisted and then later on the lie that follows it says oh you know God's God's not you're not going to die I mean he just doesn't want you to be like him and there's that promise or you're not going to die and this is going to be beneficial for you so it 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 starts there doesn't it because everything kind of falls apart from then on and so then you see people struggling to have faith because why there's sin in the world. There is deception. We don't want to be lied to. We want to believe things that are true. So there's not, uh, it's not an irrational thing to not have faith. It's irrational to not have faith in God. Right. You know, you think of, uh, stories of lack of faith. I mean, Naaman's story in second Kings five. I love that story. You've got this leprous leader whose wife's servant says, listen, you need to go and, and be healed. And he ultimately ends up at Elisha's. And Elisha's saying, hey, go dip yourself in the river. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, that's a dirty river. I'm not going to do that.
0: Of all the rivers in the world, yeah. I would never do this one. <laughs> Why'd you pick that one? It's like the rock river.
1: You know, and finally, oh, his, his servants convince him, you know, hey, if, you, if he asked you to do something great, you would certainly do that. So he goes and he dips himself in the river and, and is healed. But imagine had he not come to a place of having faith in the words sure. of Elisha there the consequences of that would have been significant for him and what benefit for having faith but it's having faith in the right people even abraham is certainly so part you know central to the discussion of faith i mean he, he leaves his land and ventures out but there's this points where you see him claiming his wife as his sister out of fear rather than faith but uh, certainly his victorious faith is that moment when he is willing to put his son on the altar and ready to sacrifice him um, because God says so, and he stopped. I mean, with well, an amazing story and a picture of what mm-hmm. what the Lord would do with His own Son at, at, on the cross. But it incredible faith is so neat, but sometimes there's not faith. Yeah, and some of these stories are disappointing with how people.
0: Yeah, I, the the fact that faith is this constant almost undefinable term throughout the scriptures, but yet you watch it, act it out, and you go, what, what do I do with that? So what I mean by that is often we think of faith as just a, in the intellectual assent to something, right? Yeah. I believe this to be true. I know that it's true, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe that that's true. But if I have faith in something and I never actually act on it, then I, do I really have faith? Do I really know? Yeah. Or if faith involves me actually ask, being asked to do something, and I never follow through, then I don't know that I really have the faith, right? Yeah. So if Abraham had been asked, you know, go down to Egypt and and do this thing, which he was, and he goes and does that, and then he thinks, well, God's not going to give me what God wants to give me, a child. So I'm I'm afraid, and I'm afraid that they are going to find her beautiful, which, first of all, I mean really quickly, just an 80-year-old Sarah was that much of a looker (laughs) that he's afraid that people are going to... Good for him, man. Good for... (laughs) good for Abraham (laughs) killed it there. So anyway, uh, the idea here over and over again is just God's asking someone to do something. And if they don't do it, then that, that shows a lack of faith. And so in Moses's case here in the passage that we're talking about, God says, Moses, go do this. Well, what if they don't believe me? Yeah. Well, no, I'll show you that they can believe you here. Throw your staff and here's your hand. And well, what if I don't like, I don't talk so good. What do I do with that? God. And, God's response is, Who makes the mouth? What are you doing? Yeah. You're talking to a person that's making <laughs> a bush talk like you're an idiot. Uh, and then the you know, send somebody else. And some of what you're describing in the scriptures, Naaman got over himself. Yeah. He didn't think send somebody else. You know, send somebody else to get rid of my leprosy. That's ridiculous. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you were given a direct command and you didn't do it. So if there's a direct command in scripture and we don't do it, then we can't expect to accomplish the faith that God has given us. yeah, And we're not really acting on it, nor do we really believe what we say we believe.
1: And that comes into the, the promptings of the Spirit. If you've been walking with the Lord and you know the, wor- yeah. the Word of the Lord, you know how to uh, even evaluate those promptings and realize, you know, that's not my thinking. That's certainly the, uh, that of the Lord's. And then to not move forward with that, you know. I like what you said about faith is more than intellectual sin. I mean Hebrews 11:6 without faith it is impossible right. to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. There's that there's action there isn't there? It's this right. I'm seeking after God and and really faith is so central to to that. I mean it just it's I'm I'm acting upon this faith. I'm, I'm sure. and I'm acting upon those promptings or the things that are just clearly in scripture that we should be doing, you know. Go and make disciples. So, you know, it's easy to make excuses. And you got to wonder what we miss out on. You know, we can look at those victory moments of faith. I mean, the, the faith of the centurion, you know. Mm-hmm. and Jesus, I'll, I'll go heal him. No, you know, you have authority. <laughs> Only say the word and he'll be healed. And I love that. But the response of Jesus is so significant. With, with no one in Israel have I found so much faith that that that's so cool and and you know i i'd like to believe i'm a person of faith i mean obviously i i i have faith in in christ and and proclaim that but you know where are the limitations at what point have i missed out on on what god really wanted to do because i was afraid or because i was sure that it wouldn't work or you know rationalized why to not respond to that prompting of the spirit and and i'd like to believe that over the years i've learned to let the fear of missing out mm-hmm. drive me toward obedience to some of those promptings right uh, whether it's to have a conversation or whether it's just to be open to something that god might have before me that might be different you know it's at least a oh, lord tell me what what you want and what you want me to do with this day or with the rest of my life or whatever. And I guess I just don't want to find out that fear or doubt or lies caused me to miss out on anything, you know?
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I wish that I didn't, and you didn't have any stories of times that our faith hasn't quite matched But we both have multiple of those. I mean, there are so many things that I've I've done over the years. I don't know if you've had these moments. I'm sure you have. Where I feel like I'm being prompted to do something, and I totally chicken out. You know? It, it could yeah. be I start a conversation with someone, and I just sense, hey, this is a great spot for you to talk about your faith. And I just... No, I think I'm busy, <laughs> you yeah. know. Or, no, I really want to go do this other thing. And and in fairness, or it's going to throw off
1: my schedule for the whole day. Totally.
0: And I've listened to those promptings more often than not, so I'm not trying to you know throw myself under the bus here. But at the same time, I think it's good for people to hear. I have a ton of those moments in my life where I just think that was a great opportunity right there, and I yeah. just blew it.
1: Oh yeah, and I I hate it when that feeling comes or that that understanding even comes. An hour later, after the situation's over, going, oh, I could have said this. Yeah. Instead, I talked about such trivial stuff. And I, and I, that being said, I mean, kind of speaking of those sharing your faith moments, and I, I believe that we do that effectively out of relationships. I don't like to do cold call evangelism that much. Maybe it's out of fear, too, or excuses. But I think building a relationship. But sometimes keeping the relationship on this petty talking about the weather and silly things and sports right. so much and, and never getting deep, you know, and it, it, that over-cultivated soil, you know, that kind of, that thing where you're just, you know, that tractor going through the field just keeps cultivating, keeps cultivating. But it, it, at some point you got to plant the seed, you know, and um, I think sometimes I'm guilty of over-cultivating relationships yeah. before I actually get to that point. And, and is that fear or is it, and, and I, am I fearing they're going to reject me or am I fearing that I'm going to poorly represent my Savior? But
0: uh, at some point we've got to have faith that the Spirit's going to do what the Spirit's going to do. Which reminds me of how many times in the book of Acts when we went through that, does God just say, I'm going to give you the words to say. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Just open your mouth and I'll take care of you. And I think about this passage with the burning bush. That's kind of what God's saying to Moses. You know, Yeah. I can't talk do you know who you're talking to? Like, you don't even need to just open your mouth and I'll make (laughs) it talk. If I can make a Bush talk, like I can make you talk. And I think about that. And so often in my life, I'm not the vessel that I want to be, which is really what faith is, right? It's faith is trusting that God's going to use us to serve his purposes in some way, trusting that as his spirit leads us and guides us, we just need to obey, open our mouth, let him do the rest of the, of the work. Uh, He'll give us the thoughts. He'll give us the words. He'll give us everything we need to accomplish that. The, The sad part for me that I bring up with people a lot is is not just the moments when the Spirit prompts us and we don't do it, but how often we go through our day without even thinking about listening for the Spirit. Yeah. And I wonder how many times we miss opportunities. And not to jump too far out of the text here, but meaning, I'm going to talk about the text, but... What I'm about to speculate, there's nothing in the text that says this is the case. So just, I'm. So you're going to get I'm,
1: really heretical here. Okay,
0: uh, you're not heretical. <laughs> you're so mean to me. Uh, but I'm couching did it. You just, with just say you're so mean to <laughs> me. Yeah, you are mean to me. Okay, all right. I'm just couching it here. It, with, he whines a lot. Not as bad as Alex, based on the podcast we did a few months ago or a couple of weeks ago. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't listened to that one, the Philippians two one where he goes after me, it's good. It's it's wild. It's worth it. Uh, but here's what I'm. I've often wondered how many times Moses is walking around this mountain and or how many times God tried to get Moses's attention and the burning bush is what did it. And it may only be the one time. This might yeah. be the only time God tried to get Moses's attention, but it also took 40 years. Right. I mean, Moses killed yeah. a guy in Egypt and then ran away into the wilderness and he's there for 40 years. And I, so So that does two things to me. First. God, how many times did you try to get Moses' attention? Please don't let me be a person who misses the the cues yeah. where you're trying to get my attention. And, and and if God's answer to me when I meet him in glory is, uh, that was the only time I tried to get Moses' attention, and it worked because I'm awesome at getting people's attention. I'd be like, amen, praise the Lord. Yeah. I trust you. But if God's like, yeah, you picked that up. Yeah, I, was, I that was the final straw. I was going to get his attention, yeah. but that was the final attempt. I had a bunch of other little things that I did. He just wasn't noticing it. But I gave him the 40 years, this is the second part to that, because I wanted him to be ready for it, and he wasn't. And then I think, how long, and and again, all this isn't in the text, this is just merely me speculating, but how many of those 40 years is Moses just kicking himself in the butt as he walks around with a bunch of sheep going, I've ruined my life. I spoiled what I was supposed to be. I look at the mistakes I made, and is he just playing this pity party the whole time, and then God finally starts talking to him face to face and you yeah. know, from a bush to this man. And then Moses is like, uh, I'm, I'm not the guy send someone else. Yeah. And I just read this and I'm so sad and I'm so blown away and upset that Moses doesn't have the faith to just believe that God is able to do whatever he's going to do with Moses. And then I, I stopped looking at Moses and I look in the mirror real quick and I'm like, ah. <laughs> man. So, so yeah. the big thing for me is are you listening to what God's saying and are you obeying in faith? That's huge. And if you're not, just repent. We're not asking you to have a pity party here. Just just repent and say, God, I'm listening. Tell me what you want to say and do. But then the other thing is, are you even listening for him to talk? And if you're not, step up.
1: I'm so glad you said that because it's not just listening. It's what are you listening to? Or I, I believe Americans live noisy, noisy lives in that our schedules are packed. We've got something going on all the time. The, the the radio is stereo the, the earbuds are always in there's always noise and if we have a second of silence watch anybody in any public sphere if they're by themselves unless they're you know maybe in their 70s or whatever and don't have smartphones almost everyone pulls out their phone me included and, and does something we're we're constantly doing something we're constantly having some sort of input into our minds. And at some point we need to shut it off, put it down, take the earbuds out and just be silent. How, how in the world are we going to hear those promptings or notice them when we keep ourselves so distracted? And I've really come to just crave times of silence where I'm driving, there's nothing on there. It's just thinking and some of that's useless or whatever, but a lot of times that's where some of those neat things, those mm-hmm. moments of inspiration, those why haven't I I's kind of kind come up. And I think that Americans are devoid of, of the silence to even hear it or the attentiveness. Maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, he can speak to us in noise, sure, but we're not attentive and we're not keen to it. And I think some of that is, starts with asking, Lord, use me today help me not miss your promptings make it so obvious that even i won't miss it you know i used to call them glaring glaringly obvious witnessing opportunities you know give me those obvious moments where i need to respond and help me to be faithful to do it
0: totally i think this is a ton of good advice and i would i would say that we need to just process it and then go live it out but this is coming from two former youth pastors who would try to build retreats and trips with these very ideas in mind. Yeah. And that's part of why you get kids away from their normal, busy, noisy lives. And our, and our kids are living noisier lives today. Oh yeah. than they were way back when you were being, you remember back when you were the youth pastor? Remember? Oh man. Way back.
1: Yeah. Way back. Way, <laughs> way back. We had far less cell phone interference. I'll tell you that. Totally. You know, and that was great, honestly.
0: But those are the trips that I got alone with God for the first mm-hmm. time in my life. And it, he blew me away. And then he told me things I didn't want to hear about myself. And then he sent me in directions I wasn't comfortable going, which is why I'm a pastor now. And when I watch my kids or I watch other people's kids and I think you're just constantly distracted Mm -hmm. and I give the advice, turn everything off, go spend some time with God. And they just roll their eyes and look at me, whether it's my kids or someone else's kids. You don't know what you're talking about. No, I totally do, <laughs> and I wonder if Moses had that same experience with his kids. Just I, I was quiet, and finally God got my attention. I wish you'd do that more, you know. Yeah, but they were busy listening to the the ram's horns and things.
1: There, there is life out there yes. in faith. It's not just about where we end up eternally. It's about what we do every day, and somehow we've polluted that with all this stuff and wonder why our faith seems flat do the math